Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, as I've been saying the last couple of weeks, we're moving through these wonderful Lenten readings for cycle A of Lent. And they're some of the best uh, gospel readings we have in the whole liturgical year. And these readings move in a kind of crescendo as Lent is moving toward Easter. So two weeks ago, we had the story of the woman at the well, where Jesus presented himself as water for a thirsty soul. And then last week, we had the story of the man born blind, when Jesus presented himself as light for blind eyes. Now, finally, today, we have this great story of the raising of Lazarus, wherein Jesus presents himself as resurrection and life for someone who has died. So thirst, blindness, death are all metaphors for the spiritual dysfunction we all find ourselves in. We're thirsty and nothing in the world satisfies us. We're blind, but no simply worldly pattern allows us to see. We're dead and we can't bring ourselves back to life. In fact, we drink from salt water that makes us thirstier. You know, in trying to see, we make ourselves even blinder. One thing a dead person can't do is bring himself to life. You know, I think especially in the context of our culture, this acknowledgement of powerlessness, of being lost, of having no recourse is terrifically important. Because we put such a premium, you know, on ego and self and self-direction and, and I decide and it's up to me. But see, that is repugnant to a Christian spirituality which is predicated upon my incapacity to save myself. It's predicated upon my need for a savior. See, if Jesus is a teacher, well then, you know, okay, I, I'm making some good progress and he's a very interesting teacher that's helped me, but that's not all he is. Jesus is a savior. Remember, I talked about salve last week. A savior is someone who's come to heal me. Okay. Now, there are three raisings from the dead in the Gospels. The first is the daughter of Jairus. Remember that lovely story of the little girl and Jesus says, Talita kumi, little girl, get up. Second one is the son of the widow of Naim. That kind of heart-rending story, the, the woman who's lost her, her grown but still very young son. Jesus raises him from the dead. And then Lazarus. Each one of these, St. Augustine said this, symbolizes different levels of spiritual disorder. He said, think of the little girl, very young and still in her house. She represents, if I can speak metaphorically, the first sort of stirrings of sin. The older son, now being brought out of the house, stands for more serious type of sin that's made its way, as it were, into the world. Lazarus, now a grown man and four days in the tomb, 
stands for someone who's totally sunk in sin, who is really totally dead spiritually. Very interesting to me, this little reading of Augustine, because watch how Jesus relates to these three figures. He deals in different ways, different strategies with each of the three, because people are at different levels of disorder and dysfunction, right? But for our purposes today, we'll concentrate on his dealings with Lazarus. His dealings with someone who is totally dead spiritually, because that's what four days would have meant in the ancient world, that someone who was four days in the tomb was dead, irretrievably. So he approaches the tomb of his friend. He sees Martha and Mary, Lazarus's sisters, and the other mourners weeping. And the gospel says he became perturbed and deeply troubled. Stay with that image a little bit. The incarnation involves the taking on by God of a human nature in all of its particularity. That means that in Jesus, God felt what it's like to lose a friend. And I do mean that in the full physical and psychological sense of the term. You know, any of us who, who've been through this awful experience of losing a loved one or a great friend, does that affect you psychologically? Yeah, sure, but even physically. It often takes months, years to recover from the blow of losing someone that you love, right? Just stay with the image of Jesus entering into that experience. He even, the gospel tells us, began to weep. Three times in the gospels, Jesus is described as weeping. Once over Jerusalem for its lack of faith. Go to the, the church of Dominus Flavit in outside Jerusalem that commemorates the moment when Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Another time he weeps is in Gethsemane in fear and sorrow. And then here at the tomb of Lazarus. Again, stay with the image. And I think you'll be changed. And your relationship with Jesus will be changed. Here's a little exercise that was urged on me many years ago. Imagine even your worst enemy weeping in sorrow. So do that. Imagine somebody you just don't like, your worst enemy. But imagine that person right now weeping in sorrow. Something softens in you. It's, it's hard to avoid that if you do this exercise carefully. So now, now, imagine not your worst enemy. Imagine God weeping in sorrow over sin and death. Do you begin, and here I'm again following Augustine, do you begin to develop, and dare I even say it this way, a kind of sympathy with God and entering yourself into these dynamics of the incarnation that God feels viscerally, physically, the loss of his friend, even to the point of weeping. Well, see, this is God, everybody, weeping over our own sinfulness. Because, see, what sin but a loss of friendship with God? And so God responds with this visceral pain to the point of tears. 
next time you you feel tempted to be kind of lighthearted about your sin, like, oh, well, you know, everybody does that. Stay with this image of Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. Here's again something from St. Augustine I love. This little detail that Jesus says to the sisters, where, where, where have you laid him? Where, where have you laid him? Well, see, it's God searching for his lost friend. Remember, go back to the book of Genesis. When um, Adam and Eve sin, they hide from God. Because before they've sinned, they walk in easy fellowship with God as friends. But having sinned, see, they're ashamed and they hide, they flee from God, and God comes looking for them. Well, it's exactly echoed here, where God in Christ is looking for his friend Lazarus. Well, it's looking for you and for me, because we wandered away into spiritual death. When he comes upon the tomb, which John describes carefully as a cave with a stone rolled across it. What does that remind you of? It's meant to anticipate his own grave, isn't it? When Jesus comes there, he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Again, stay for a moment with this scream, this cry of Jesus. See, maybe you can imagine Jesus in intimate conversation, you know, with his disciples or with uh, with uh, one of the Pharisees at dinner or whatever. Maybe you can imagine him preaching in the open air. But I wonder how often we imagine Jesus really shouting, like the roar of a lion, like an explosion, like an earthquake, like a bomb going off. The cry of Jesus. Think of the loud cry from the cross. And because he is who he says he is, what Jesus says is. <laughs> Let me say that little sentence again. There's a lot of Christian theology packed in that one. Because he is who he says he is, what Jesus says is. What do I mean? Well, his voice, his cry is not the voice of an ordinary teacher or an inspiring rabbi. Rather, it's the voice of the one that said at the beginning of time, let there be light. Thomas Aquinas says that God speaks things into being. See, in our case, we, we look at the world that already exists and we formulate speech about it, right? Our words are descriptive. But God's word is not just descriptive, it's creative. See, it's not that things exist and God describes them. Rather, he speaks and they come to be. And this is why the Lazarus come out screamed by Jesus makes Lazarus come out. Listen, the dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. By the way, this is also why the words of Jesus through the mediation of the priest at Mass, affect the Eucharistic change. Same voice that said, Lazarus, come out, that said, Talita kumi, little girl, get up, is the voice that says, this is my body, this is my blood. Because he is who he says he is, what Jesus says is, <laughs> right? Well, there you see it now in the cry, Lazarus, come out. Now, Here's the application to all of us, as I've been hinting. Everybody listening to me right now is to a degree spiritually dead. So am I. 
Maybe you're like the daughter of Jairus. You know, that the sin is not taken deep root in you. Maybe you're like the son of the widow. Maybe it's it's a little further advanced. Maybe you're like Lazarus. I mean, four days in your tomb. Maybe you feel, and there might be someone right now listening to me, you feel there's no hope for the likes of you. Here's the point of this story now. I don't care where you are. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't care how dead you are. The voice of Jesus can call you back to life, can pull you out of the tomb. Jesus says to Lazarus, having raised him from the dead, untie him and let him go. See, God hates death. God hates the ways of death. He hates all the ways we've managed to tie ourselves up and put ourselves in graves. He hates how we've wandered into tombs. Gloria Dei Homo Vivens, right, says Irenaeus. The glory of God is a human being alive. And so that wonderful line from Jesus, let him go, let him go, let him be free. So maybe you're, you're sunk in an addiction. Maybe you've done things that are, you're so ashamed of, you can't even bring yourself to speak of them. Maybe you've fallen out of relationship with the people you love the most. Maybe you're just a first-class jerk, <laughs> I'm saying, and we all are from time to time. Maybe you feel you're just a failure. Maybe you're terrified of dying. I mean, I don't know what it is, and I don't really care. The point is, listen for that voice. Lazarus, come out, but put your own name in there instead of Lazarus. And hear the Lord say, untie him and let him go. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.